First and 10 football. If you ain't in, get out. This is the Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. Lecom, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, Expert Care, here. And by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit irelandcontracting.com. Welcome back to Hour 2 of our Bud Light Training Camp Report Show. Jerry Dulac and Bob Labriola. We're at the Bingham Tavern on Mount Washington. And, Bob, no matter how many times I hear that intro with Mike Tomlin, I <laughs> chuckle. His, his energy is, is, has to be unmatched, certainly not exceeded among any coach in the NFL. And this is year 15 for him. And his animation during practice and his energy – um, you know, I, I mean, it's not contrived. It's not forced. It's just the way he is. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Mike Tomlin is is funny, and I don't mean like a comedian. But, you know, when you talk to him, you know, he always says, I don't have any hobbies. I'm a football junkie. This is what I do. You know, this is what I like. You know, and I've, I've talked to him, and a lot of it um, ends up on the Mike Tomlin show, which appears uh, weekly – before every, you know, Steelers regular season, every game, we'll regular season and preseason. Did you tape it already? We'll yes. We'll do it tomorrow. So no, I taped it, it already. Okay. Um, but, you know, one of the one of the times um, I was talking to him towards the end of the preseason and we were talking about, um, you know, the process of cutting the roster and looking through the waiver wire, um, you know, trying to uh, figure out whether there's anyone out there who could make your team better, you know, those kinds of things. And I was asking him about, you know, the process of it. And, you know, one of the things, you know, he said that really resonated with me was that, you know, understanding, knowing the personnel around the league, you know, is something that I just enjoy doing. And, you know, so a lot of times – when he's looking at the waiver wire, there are players that he knows things about, whether from the draft preparation process when these guys were picked or, you know, just in his informal, you know, study of the league and the people around the league. Uh, and this, to me, really traces back to what I believe, you know, was a significant decision in Steelers history and one of the things that, in my opinion, you know, makes Mike Tomlin a much better coach than a lot of Steelers fans are willing to give him credit for. Mike Tomlin, of the finalists being interviewed in 2008, uh, excuse me, in 2007 for the job to replace Bill Cowher, he was the only guy who said he was going to keep Dick LeBeau. Everybody else was going to change the defense fire him or get a different coordinator. I don't know if firing is the correct term. But, you know, I asked Mike Tomlin about that, and he said, you know, I had spent off-seasons as, as, as an assistant in Tampa studying the Steelers 3-4 because, you know, Tomlin was a dungy uh, uh, disciple, Tampa 2, 4-3. That's the way they played, and that's what he was raised on. That was his 
uh, primary NFL job. And so, you know, going or allowing, you know, his first NFL job to be run by a guy who was the antithesis of the Tampa 2, Dick LeBeau, uh, to me was a fairly significant concession when you look at, you know, a guy getting his first NFL head coaching job. Ego is, you know, that's a factor. Uh, but Tomlin said to me, you know, it doesn't have to be about what I think or what I do. It, it's about what gives us the best chance to win. He said, I had studied that defense, the way it operated that personnel. He said, I knew those guys. He said, and you look at that personnel, why would I want to change something that didn't need to be fixed? And so, um, you know, you, you talk about the kind of um, cerebral, to use his word, approach to a lot of things. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. I, I do because, you know, that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 43, a lot of Steelers fans who are not necessarily Mike Tomlin fans uh, might write it off as he won this with Bill Cowher's players. Um, but he won it with Bill Cowher's players because he wasn't such an egomaniac uh, to tear it all down and try and change it. Too. Yeah, it's unfair to say that of any coach. I mean, you know, to, to make that point, I agree with you, Bob. I mean, whether that yeah, he's smart enough to know what he has and to be able to, uh, you know, get those players to play for him because that's not always a – I mean, that's not an easy thing to do sometimes when you come in as the new coach. Some of those holdover guys might think, hey, we were successful before. Who's this guy? But he's smart enough not to change what he has because he, he's smart enough to know what he has. Yeah, and Right, and I, I think that – um, you know, over the course of the next few seasons, that was it was added and developed a little bit too because I don't think that the 2008 Steelers defense or certainly the 2010 Steelers defense was the exact same, you know, as the 05 uh, Bill Cowher-LeBeau defense. And, um, you know, again, I I think that when a, when a head coach, especially one who gets his first opportunity, um, is willing to look at the situation and say, I don't need to change this just because I'm here. Um, that's, a, that's quality I'm interested in if I'm hiring a coach. And, Bob, I always use the example only because it was so obvious at the time of Josh McDaniel when the Denver Broncos hired him. He came in and he was intent, I'm going to show you how smart I am. So smart that he drafted uh, Tim Tebow with the number one pick. And he put that franchise in the toilet after I think they started 6-0. and And then after that, his record until he was let go was just abysmal. Because he was just going to show everybody, this is the way I want to do it. And he threw everything, you know, to, to out the window. And, and that's the complete opposite, the complete antithesis of Mike Tomlin. Yeah, and, you know, and you mentioned Josh, McDaniel, Josh McDaniels. And, you know, that's, to me, that's the... Um, that's a characteristic of a lot of Bill Belichick's guys. Charlie Weiss, um, Matt Patricia, uh, you know, they go into these new thing, these new situations, you know, and they try to either mimic Belichick or try to create uh, the same atmosphere that existed in New England. And I don't think you can do that. I, I think you really have to be yourself uh, because these are professionals. Uh, these guys can see a phony uh, a mile away. A lot of them have been through a lot of coaches, systems, uh, you know, those kinds of changes. And, I, you know, I don't really think you can BS um, uh, a locker room full of NFL veterans in that way. And so, you know, again, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Mike Tomlin fan. 
You know, Bob, a lot of NFL, not a lot, but we can cite a number who have hung around for 15 years. But in those previous 14 years, to never have a losing season, because let's face it, Bob, you may talk about veterans. Some of those guys, I don't mean in the Steeler locker room necessarily, I just mean in general. Some of those guys hear the same old message every year when it cuts the same coach and a message goes in one ear and out the other with those veterans. And yet here's Mike Tomlin who's been able to endure that, keep his guys motivated, and never have uh, a losing season in that entire t time. Never losing the team. Uh, that's a tough thing to do and not, I mean, I haven't gone back and looked at it. How many have been in the league 15 years and never had a losing season? I bet nobody. Uh, yeah, maybe, I, I, maybe Paul Brown. I don't know, but even Belichick did when before New England, of course. Uh, and well, and last year too. Um, was it a losing? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, it was. yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you know, you look at 2019. I mean, that's that's one to me that is is a significant um, coaching job. You know, you lose your your franchise quarterback and you you didn't lose him you well let me say that say it this way you lost him at a time where you were totally incapable and unable to prepare for that um if it had happened in the first or second week of training camp then you can experiment and try and build some things you have time you know to work with the players and with the roster and you know maybe come up with some kind of plan uh to build around the guy you're going to put under center but when it happens, you know, at halftime of the second regular season game, you don't have any time, you know, in these ensuing weeks to revamp your offensive system uh, or do any kind of serious uh, makeovers in scheme or personnel. You've got to prepare for the next opponent. And um, that's why the Miami Dolphins thought they were making a good move sending Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers for their number one pick. They thought it was going to be a top five pick. It ended up being the 18th pick of the first round, and that's no man's land because when you're picking there, you're not getting the dozen or so um, truly dynamic players, and you're not late enough in the round where a team might, who is looking to maybe move up to get a guy who has fallen a little bit, might be willing to trade up and give you something for that pick. And so... Um, you know, I just thought that the 2019 season was, you know, really uh, a tribute to him and the fact that you can play games with Devlin Hodges all due respect. I mean, he was a fan favorite and all that stuff. I mean, but I don't know that he had any better arm strength than me. And to win games with him, um, you know, I think that's a uh, reflects a significant uh, coaching accomplishment. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Bob. And to your point about him being a football junkie, different people have told me this. And I remember having this conversation with Mike Tomlin as well at one point. He probably watches more film than any coach I know, and not just of the opponent and breaking down the opponent to what you said, scouting other players around the league. I mean, the guy, you know, um, he, he's, he's watching film constantly, and that's what, you know, that's why – that's what makes him a good coach. I mean, he's totally well prepared, and that's why I love the people who think he doesn't know what he's doing, or the people, oh, he's stupid. Why is he doing that? I always tell him, I go, hey, I think he knows a little more football than you do, and I do. So I'm going to defer. Well, and you know, when Joe Hayden got cut by the Browns, you know, his his experience, his exposure to Mike Tomlin during the draft process, 
uh, even though the Steelers had no chance of getting this guy, that they knew, you know, a cornerback was going to be a top 10 pick. But, you know, Tomlin's, um, the due diligence that he does with those pro days, you know, and stuff like that, uh, that's a factor. Uh, Melvin Ingram. I mean, Mike Tomlin is a factor in when he's choosing which team he wants to play for. Um, and, and just some of the experiences and things that, um, you know, stories that uh, Mike Tomlin has told about, you know, pro days and stuff. You know, what he learned about Pouncey and uh, from going to the those Florida pro days when all those number one picks were on that team. And one of the things he has, he told me he does is, say, for example, he goes to Ohio State's pro day. And he might see, you know, a, a young pro, because a lot of these guys, once they get into the NFL, they still have these uh, ties to their college programs, and they might return for the pro day just to watch, you know. Um, or if you get a senior uh, or a guy who is coming out in the draft that particular year, you know, Mike Tomlin might strike up a conversation with him. And one of the questions he asks is, who am I going to be coming back to see here next year? And he said, invariably, you know, these players are talking about their teammates. They give them three or four names, and invariably those guys are real players that you end up trying to evaluate. And, you know, just that kind of knowledge and rapport that he develops with these guys, I just think is invaluable in the whole process of uh, the way an NFL team has to be built. Uh, Bob, uh, one of the things I want to do when uh, after we take a break uh, is talk about what the Steelers might be looking at defensively, who they, you know, in terms of uh, who they want to have a look-see at uh, Thursday night against Dallas. I do want to point out, <coughs> excuse me, had a chance to talk to uh, Art Rooney II today, the Steelers' owner slash president, and he said, not surprisingly, but that they want to get T.J. Watt signed before the start of the regular season. He, uh, he said he's neither optimistic or pessimistic. He said, I've seen how these things can go different ways sometimes, so I'm, d I'm, I'm not going to say either way. But it, it, they've been talking to uh, his uh, agents, and uh, I'm, I'm certain they'll get something done. It's going to make T.J. Watt a very wealthy man. Yeah, usually when um, the Steelers uh, express a commitment, like you just said that Art Rooney II did, um, and you're working with a player and his agent who are interested in getting a deal done, it usually gets done. I would imagine uh, uh, people ask me, what do you think he'll, what, what's his worth? And I said, you could start at Bud Dupree's contract, his free agent contract with the Titans, which was a big one, and use that as a base and pretty much go from there. Yeah, that's 18, I think. That, yeah, that was correct. the average round figures. Um, you know, some of the numbers I've seen are ridiculous. Uh, I don't believe that you any. Mean, you mean for other players in general, you mean? No, the the predictions for what oh, T.J. Uh, Watt uh, might oh, end yeah, up yeah. making. You know, quarterback money. Yeah. Quarterback money goes to quarterbacks. That's right. Um, all due respect to T.J. Watt, uh, you know, uh, he's not a quarterback. And like it or not, fair or not, whatever, however you want to describe it, uh, the NFL salary scale is that quarterbacks make more uh, than any other position. And so um, – I, I, you know, I don't. I think that that's a fairly re, uh, ridiculous assumption or expectation that uh, you know T.J. Watt is going to get that kind of salary. But I do think that you know he will be <laughs> paid 
certainly a, a representative amount, um, and he won't need to be embarrassed. You know, when he takes his check to the Mac machine, uh, to, you know, to deposit it into, into his checking account. Uh, Bob, speaking of quarterbacks and getting paid, <coughs> getting paid. Excuse me, Art Rooney the second today also said that it's not uh, written in stone that this will be Ben Roethlisberger's final year with the Steelers. Now, we know he redid his contract uh, after last season in order to be able to come back this year. Took a $5 million pay cut. It's a one-year deal worth uh, $14 million, uh, all guaranteed. And, and the uh, four years after that, it is, they're four voidable years. They could spread out that uh, a signing bonus. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't want to say that was surprising either, but... People ask, will he be back? What do I think? Will he be back next year? And I said, I don't know. What if they go to the AFC title game and lose and he wants to come back? Or they get to the Super Bowl and lose? I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, but he said it's not written in stone that, that this is going to be this final year. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't think that there's any advantage into painting yourself into a corner with a decision, uh, announcing a decision at this point that, you know, isn't necessarily going to be how you're feeling six months from now either the team or the player. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I one of, that was one of Dan Rooney's uh, basis, basics of running the business. You don't have to make a decision until you have to make a decision. And now's not the time to make a decision whether Ben Roethlisberger is your quarterback in 2022 or not. Jerry Dulac and Bob Labriola, we're at the Bigham Tavern on Mount Washington. It's our Bud Light Training Camp Report show. We're here until 8 p.m. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with a whole lot more right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is the Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, Expert Care, here. And by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit IrelandContracting.com. For the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia, to their extensive selection of jerseys and terrible tiles, visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Heinz Field, Grove City Premium Outlets, or the Tanger Outlets, or visit them online at shop.steelers.com for all your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. All right, Bob, it's time for our uh, training camp injury report brought to you by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. Um, safe to say, Bob, that uh, they're not going to see, nobody's going to see T.J. Watt or Stephon Tewitt. They have not been involved in any form of practice other than just conditioning uh, in terms of doing some running drills and uh, watching. Um, so they have been out for an extended period. Uh, we have not, we've seen very little of Zach Banner, although he did put the pads on yesterday. We see him get in for one or two plays. But there's been uh, no Kevin Dotson, no Chuk Sakor for, and uh, who am I leaving out there, Bob? Devin Bush. Devin Bush. We've seen him out there. Yes, but uh, again. In a limited role, but right. I don't think we're going to see him on uh, Sunday. Terrell Edmonds has really not been involved in any type of contact. Mike Tomlin said yesterday we have seen him 
on the football field, and we have seen him in pads, but you don't see him do a whole lot. And uh, Eric Ebron was the other one who's missed the last uh, couple days uh, as well. I think that covers anybody of significance as far as I can tell, right? Pretty close, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, you know, when, so when Mike Tomlin says – uh, Bob, that, um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger won't play, Cam Hayward won't play, Joe Hayden, among others. Uh, I think you could go through a whole lineup. I don't, uh, I'd don't. i be surprised if Tyson Alu-Alu plays any of those older guys. I don't know what they're going to do with Melvin Ingram. I mean, uh, I don't think they need to test him out, but who knows? You know, when you look at guys who, you know, 32 years old who have been around. Coming um, off a knee injury, you know, yeah. what's the point? Right. I, and and here's, a, here's a guy, you know, kind of. A late addition, Cassius Marsh, today. Yeah. Uh, backup outside linebacker. Uh, seemed to come up a little gimpy. Um, you know, uh, I'm no doctor, but it's. I thought you were. I thought you told me uh, you were a doctor. I sometimes play a doctor on the radio, right. but only when I'm on the air with you, Jerry. <laughs> uh, it seemed to me, you know, right leg. Um, I don't know if how serious it is. I don't know if Mike Tomlin addressed it after practice yeah, or did, not. Yeah. Because um, he doesn't have to, right? As and he always says. So um, you know that's a situation where, to me, looking at it from the outside with no direct information, I would say that it's unlikely, you know, that they would expose Cassius Marsh uh, when you have enough other guys, you know, that you're trying to evaluate. So um, preseason opener, extra preseason game, as Jack Ham once told me about the Hall of Fame game or the preseason opener, by the time you get to the middle of the third quarter, all the guys on the field are going to be working construction come the fall. <laughs> That's the training camp injury report brought to you by LeeCom, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. Bob, when you look at the defensive side of the ball and you look at some of the players that uh, the coaches are curious to see, who have uh, somewhat a chance to be contributors this year. Um, uh, we'll start with the rookies. We'll start with their draft pick, uh, draft picks. Buddy Johnson has a good opportunity with Vince Williams now retired uh, to be the type of inside linebacker, a true inside linebacker, who could help them. Not saying he will, but this is a good opportunity for him to show something. They're uh, a fourth-round pick. Isaiah Loudermilk, they'll get a look at him, their defensive uh, end. Uh, because you're not going to see Cam Hayward. You're not going to see Stephon Tuitt. Uh, those are a couple guys uh, right there. And then, of course, on the on the back end, well, actually the back end, guys who are coming up to play in the slot. You know, you get a look at Antoine Brooks, Jr., their sixth-round pick last year, and uh, Arthur Millette, a five-year veteran who was signed in free agency. Those two guys are battling it out right now at that nickelback to replace Mike Hilton, and that's what they want to see, how those guys fare. So those are a couple guys. Uh, at least off the bat, that they're going to have their eye on in, in this game and future preseason games. Yeah, Buddy Johnson, I've I've heard a lot of good things about. Yeah, me too. Um, whether he is going to, you know, play significant defensive snaps as a rookie is something we're going to have to see. But the expectation is that he will be one of those guys who gets a helmet on game days because he will be a, a, a special teams contributor, uh, a, a primarily on the coverage team, certainly. And, you know, you mentioned the uh, nickel slot cornerback position. Um, you know, to me, the, it, it, there's there's a lot of things that are interesting about that that kind of might go beyond who ends up getting that job because, you know, we heard Terrell Austin talk about 
uh, the team's interest, desire, might be a better word, to play the five best guys when you go to five best defensive, five defensive backs. And so the way, I won't say he explained it this way, but what he alluded to, to me, indicated that, you know, James Pierre is having a pretty good pre, uh, training camp so far, especially in terms of splash plays. Now, um, James Pierre isn't a guy uh, who will not get beat, um, but uh, to me, a defensive back who gets beat can certainly mitigate that circumstances tremendously by taking the football away. Um, this is my own very unscientific, unofficial um, way of looking at it. Uh, if you make an interception, that's two touchdown passes you can allow, and it's even because takeaways are that significant and the way the league is now getting beat, uh, you know, defensive back getting beat is, is a regular occurrence. Uh, the rules, uh, the way the game is played, the skill sets of the quarterbacks and the receivers, uh, to me it's not a matter of if but when uh, a defensive back gets beat. So we're going to have to see how James Pierre uh, continues as we now get into the preseason part of this summer. But if James Pierre, and this is my assessment at this point, if James Pierre shows himself to be better than whoever the Steelers decide is their best candidate to play the slot, you could see Pierre become an outside player and Cam Sutton move into the slot uh, when the team goes that way. Now, I don't think that Cam Sutton would be replaced in the lineup. Uh, he would be the starting outside corner, and then when the Steelers went to the nickel, he James Pierre is the guy who would come off the sideline, but he would come off the sideline to line up outside, and Sutton would move inside. So, you know, again, it's really early. Um, we don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen, but I do think that that is a um, possibility that the Steelers coaches are examining and could explore if the situation warrants it. Yeah, there's no question. That's one of the things they are looking at at training camp. Cam Sutton has stayed specifically a corner. They just want him to be comfortable there. They don't want him moving back and forth right now. They know he can play that position. So it, it's funny where he plays in the regular season in 2021, barring injuries, is going to be contingent on how well Antoine Brooks or Arthur Millette play in the or slot. Or maybe Trey Norman. Or eventually. Eventually, yeah. right. Uh, you know, and and – uh, you know, if they are better, if they feel those one of those two guys is better than James Pierre, and I say James Pierre because he passed Justin Lane on the depth chart last year. Yeah. And for what you just said, if they feel that though the guys in the slot are better at, in the slot than he is as the outside corner, then Cam Sutton's going to stay where he is. And if not, they feel that, you know, they're better with Cam Sutton at nickel and that James Pierre does a better job. Again, to your point, the best five guys. So, and that's kind of how it's going to play out for Cam Sutton, strangely enough. Well, in the, the Trey Norman situation, I think one of the uh, other mitigating factors is I do believe that there is some sensitivity to not doing to him what they did to Sean Davis right, right. as a rookie and, uh, you know, giving him too much to learn, uh, trying to make him too versatile too soon, right. and you kind of ruin him a little bit. Yeah, it's going to um, leave him at safety uh, for now. Well, it, yeah, just let him be – you know, what he is right now. and Because he's another guy uh, who has some ability 
you know, to get his hands on the football uh, and come down with takeaways. He showed, Bob, he showed that last week in practice. He had two picks in practice, one for pick six. And if nothing else, it makes the coaches take notice of him. He's a draft choice, so quite naturally they're going to take se- notice of him. Seventh-round pick, too. Right, right. So, but to what you were saying earlier, too, that's what they don't see from Justin Lane. You don't see Justin Lane making plays like that on a field where you go, huh, you know, at least get your attention. And, and so when Trey Norwood does that in his first week of training camp, not saying that makes him terrific or they're going to throw him in the lineup, but it gets their attention. Yeah, uh, and, and you're right about uh, Justin Lane. I don't know that it has reached the point where, um, you know, he's in serious danger of getting cut yeah, because Justin Lane – uh, was tied for third in special teams tackles last year. And, you know, that's a factor, too. Um, so uh, I, I would say that James Pierre is uh, more likely to play significant defensive snaps in 2021 than Justin Lane. I do believe both of them make the team. Um, and, again, there are some opportunities for some other guys. You know, Mark Burnett had an interception today. Um, Shakur Brown, uh, a guy that was the, the, a lot of NFL draft people were a little bit surprised that he wasn't picked. Right. The Steelers signed him. You know, he was seen at the time as a, a good fit for that inside slot uh, kind of position. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how he develops or shows himself in some of these preseason games too you know i think there are a lot of uh options you know we'll see how good those options are um you know as we continue you know bob the lost two players in free agency on the outside bud dupree and of course um um mike hill you know on the, on the outside 92 uh ola daney oh okay. so there are two spots there and of course melvin ingram uh replaces one of those but they drafted quincy roche uh, defensive end from Miami, uh, you know, a, a quick twitch guy, you know, quick burst off the edge. And um, it's another guy in the preseason. You want to see what this guy has, if he can be. Now, the, the move to Ingram obviously was a good one because it immediately bolsters your depth big time. But they still want another guy out there, and it's going to be an opportunity for him. Right, and it could well. be a significant opportunity against the Cowboys if Cassius Marsh's um, injury today keeps him out of the game and Quincy Roche I think would see some significant playing time uh, and you know get an initial opportunity uh, to make an impression because one of the things that Mike Tomlin uh, said to me was that the way he views these preseason games it's almost like you know using building blocks to to build a, uh, you know a little structure when you were a kid you're not going to win or lose a job in the preseason opener. But what you do in the preseason opener is kind of a foundation for how you're viewed. And then because guys, you know, there's first team, second team, third team right now. By the time you get to September in the NFL, there is no third team. Those are the guys who get cut. So if you're third team right now and you show well in practice – and then in a preseason game, maybe you get an opportunity, you know, to move up to the second team, and then that impacts who you play against, who you practice against, and how much uh, playing time and practice time you get. 
because you know the the, the um, goal is to move from JV to varsity. And if you're third team, you're JV. If you're second team, you know you're borderline JV. Uh, maybe have some opportunity to become varsity. By the time you get to the third, fourth preseason game, if you're not varsity, um, you know you're pretty much auditioning uh, for another job. And so, Jack Amsay, right? Construction. Ours, uh, Danny Smith says, Seven Eleven. Um, so. Uh, you know, guys who are going to get an opportunity uh, against the Cowboys in Canton on Thursday, uh, a lot of third-teamers, JV guys, and if they show well, um, they have a potential to move up to second team. And then how you play against the better competition and how you practice against the better players determines future uh, playing time and that kind of thing. And, it, you know, it's, a, it's like climbing a ladder. One step at a time. Bob, when I come back, I want to talk about a couple other draft picks who uh, we've seen one get a lot of time at tackle because of the injury to Chooksakor for, and that's uh, Dan Moore, their fourth-round pick, but also their tight end, Pat Fryermuth, their second-round pick, who I've yet to see drop a pass in training camp. Made a couple more today, Bob. It's just incredible the hands that this guy has. And uh, the punter, Presley Harvin, going to get a chance to uh, show off that powerful leg of his. We'll see how that shapes out as well, or at least gets uh, what kind of start he gets off to. We'll talk about that when we turn. Jerry Dulac, Bob Labriola. It's our Bud Light uh, training camp report show. We're at the Bigham Tavern in Mount, on Mount Washington. We'll be back right after this. This is the training camp report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, Expert Care, here. And by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit irelandcontracting.com. So, Bob, when I talked to Art Rooney today, I asked him about, um, uh, you know, what with, and, and he was further asked about, you know, with the COVID cases back on the rise and some new mask mandates, whether from the CDC or whomever, how does this affect the Steelers? And quite naturally, as of right now, they still plan on full stadiums. Uh, they hope things don't go backward, but they will, you know, listen and monitor what the CDC has to say. So shortly after talking to him, so about an hour later, I see a, a story that the NFLPA, the players' union for the uh, NFL players, uh, comes out and says they believe that the vaccinated players should be tested more frequently. And I'm sitting there going, no, the NFLPA should be urging its unvaccinated players to get vaccinated. They're worried about the vaccinated players. Why don't you worry about the unvaccinated players who were causing a problem potentially for the vaccinated players. And they come out and say this almost to deflect the criticism against those players who have chosen not to be vaccinated. Preach, Jerry. I know, Bobby. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the science and uh, the vaccine. Um, you know, I, I got it as soon as I was able to. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it is some of the things that the uh, players union is doing 
Um, you know, confuse me, certainly. Um, you know, you mentioned what you just mentioned. Um, you know, the, the players' union is opposed to mandating vaccines. Uh, the players' union is opposed to, um, you know, the wristbands that unvaccinated players um, wear or to, you know, to designate them from the others in terms of the protocols, who needs to wear masks and those kinds of things. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of opinions on a lot of this stuff, and I'm not um, – my opinion doesn't matter, and so I'm not going to get on my soapbox here. But, um, you know, uh, as I said to you when you just finished your little rant there, preach, Jerry, I, uh, because I, I do think that the, the surest, quickest path back to quote-unquote normal – is vaccines and um you know you, you got to get to a level where um if you vaccinate enough people the the things like the variants are less impactful um so hey um nobody listens to me so I'm just going to shut up now. and I'm, li- I'm listening to you. I, I, will, I will gladly make room on my pulpit for you if you would like. <laughs> I saw a great quote from a woman the other day when they were talking about the rise now in the nation, and especially in those southern states, whether Mississippi and Alabama, which are lagging far behind, of course, with vaccinated people, that this, uh, um, uh, that this woman said, um, you know, decided to get vaccinated. She said, you know, it's one thing to be skeptical which you hear that from people. She said, it's another to be ignorant. And, and that's why she eventually chose to do uh, what she did. Um, little breaking news there, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, my pro debut, but there's no quitting me. Let me teach you guys. Unfortunately, towards ACL today, Demarcus Asen. Yeah. Asen, yeah, yeah. Um, a, a guy who um, I don't know how much he was a competitor for that slot job at this point, you know, maybe he would have gotten a look, um, you know, somewhere down the line. But obviously now he just tweeted that uh, he tore his ACL today. I hate to see that for any of those guys. Right. Um, so it seems that certainly he uh, can be considered eliminated from that competition. And I would imagine that his season is over. Bob, uh, I, I mentioned at the end of the segment a couple guys uh, offensively uh, that I wanted to talk about, and one not just uh, Pat Fryermuth, their second-round draft pick, um, who has looked everything the bit of a number two pick, if not a number one, which is the grade the Steelers had on him. This guy has yet to drop a pass. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin teases him, hey, great, but can you block? That's what they want to see from him, but uh, there's no question this guy has stood out in training camp and the other guy who's really caught my attention i think i we talked about this last week both in appearance and production is zach gentry who i did finally see drop a pass but but the size difference in him now he looks like an nfl tight end and not a uh, a former college quarterback Uh, he's noticeably bigger stronger and can catch the ball and i think i think this guy uh you know can be i don't know how much of a contributor but i think could be a solid third tight end with a lot of promise uh we shall see but he's caught he's caught my attention and i'm sure he's caught theirs well yeah and the thing with the tight ends to me jerry and i i agree with you about pat fryermuth and what i what what say about him 
you know, uh, as Mike Tomlin said, yeah, but can you block? Um, I still don't think that he is a NFL-caliber blocking tight end, but he's getting better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, his first couple of uh, repetitions slash go-rounds with guys like Alex Highsmith, um, I think you could qualify them as butt kickings. Um, now he is much more uh, representative uh, in some of those drills. He still is not winning the repetitions, but uh, he is putting up a better fight. Uh, let me say that. But uh, I do believe uh, that the Steelers' situation at tight ends in terms of uh, having one who can be an asset with his blocking for the run game um, doesn't exist right now. It doesn't exist. Eric Ebron, to me, is not uh, that guy, and I don't believe uh, he's ever going to be that guy despite his you know, um, assertions to the media that you know he was going to develop a different persona. I won't say it on the radio. Um, in terms of that, I don't. I don't think he has it. I think Zach Gentry is another guy, though, who is limited in that area. And so, when you're looking at a number three tight end, if you're going to keep Ebron and Fryermuth, which I think, um, you know, that's pretty much a done deal. The number three to me could be Kevin Rader because if you want something different. Yeah, he's the best blocker of the group. Right. Yeah. He's, now, you know, he's not Mark Bruner. He's not Heath Miller, certainly in that aspect. But he is the guy, I think, in terms of the physical demands of the position, gives you something a little bit different than the other two guys you're likely to keep. So, But, again, uh, it's definitely uh, a wide-open competition. And, you know, we're going to see, have to see how that plays out. And th- as you mentioned, that, that is a position uh, that Bears watching. Uh, Bob, uh, I didn't want to switch back to the other side of the ball, but because you mentioned him, a guy who has really stood out of training camp, I don't know if it's because T.J. Watt has not been, been out there, but Alex Highsmith looks really, really good. And you and I have talked about this. He is ahead in year two where Bud Dupree was. He had two sacks last year. I think he got to start, what, five or six games. But – he looks bigger, but you he just may, you see him out on the football field being a, a very, I, I, I mean, somewhat of a dominant player. He had two sacks last year. I think this guy, because T.J. Watt will get so much attention on the other side, and based on what I see, I don't want to go overboard with the guy because I know it's training camp. But I think it's very real possibility this guy could be six, eight, nine sack guy on that other side. Um, they really like him, and he's really – uh, it's year one to year two. We'll see how it plays out. But, boy, he, look, really looks, he really looks good right now. He does. And, you know, let me just expand on that a little bit. Had an interception today, first repetition of seven shots. Um, you know, the Steelers yes, don't. Yes, he did. The Steelers, and Ben was the quarterback, too. Right. Um, Throwing to Najee Harris. Right. Um, it, it's not often that the Steelers ask their outside linebackers to cover. but I think James Harrison did in the Super Bowl. I was Bowl, just going to say, but the idea <laughs> – you know, behind the scheme kind of is to uh, instill some doubt in the quarterback where these guys are going to be. And I think Alex Highsmith is going to give the Steelers a little bit of that. Uh, he has the ability to create some of that doubt. And if you throw him the ball, he'll catch it, which, you know, I think is is pretty much all you're really looking for from those guys. And so what Alex Highsmith has done, in my mind, this summer is cement his status uh, as the starter and create a situation where the Steelers will be able to use Melvin Ingram 
in the best way for a player, excuse me, a player of his age um, to be used, to be effective over the course of an entire regular season. His age and his knee, knee history. 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 Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Presley Harvin, their uh, seventh-round pick, the 375-pound uh, punter or whatever he is, <laughs> 260. That's a, that's a hefty young man. But, boy, when he hits it, you just hear the thump in his leg. Uh, they want to see if this guy can unseat Jordan Berry. As, as I don't want us to go all the way with Tom Donahoe's line that they didn't bring him in to lead the band at halftime, but they certainly use a draft pick on the guy. They're going to give him a long look at what he can do. Uh, and, you know, Jerry, in your favorite sport, um, does he have a short game? Yeah, well. Uh, and, let me, and let me explain what I mean by that. If Chris Boswell, and do not discount this, if Chris Boswell says this guy is not an NFL caliber holder, right. that will hurt him dearly. Sure, sure. I uh, saw him and, practicing it a lot today. Yes, and um, he's not awful. Um, but he's not Jordan Berry in that no, respect. No, of course not. And um, another factor involved in this, too, is Cameron Canaday, the incumbent long snapper, um, sometimes is a little bit wild. You know, if he was a starting pitcher in baseball, um, sometimes he'd walk about six or seven guys. So um, that's a factor as well. I don't know if uh, Kuntz uh, has enough to unseat Canaday in terms of you know, um, speed, but uh, the accuracy with Canaday is not as consistent as you would like, and so when you have that, sometimes you need an above-average holder to kind of uh, smooth that out a little bit because you do not want to get in Boswell's head because this guy, since that one bad season, he's up over 90%, and you want that. That's money in the bank. You need that guy that, that version of Chris Boswell uh, as your place kicker. So Presley Harvin, yes, he will boom some, um, and he can drive the ball, but he needs to work on that. He needs to become uh, a dependable NFL caliber holder, or um, he may lose that job. You know, Bobby's he's not the tallest guy. He does not look like a punter. He looks more like a, a, a kind a of fullback. a fullback. Yeah, a fullback <laughs> or a, a short inside linebacker. He's, he doesn't look he, – he doesn't – it looks nothing like Jordan Berry. Uh, the other factor here, too, is, you know, despite what people want to grumble, Jordan Berry had a pretty good year last year when, he, when they did bring him back. I think his career – his average was the best of his career. Um, and, and so, you know, they didn't – it's just not automatic that they're going to move on from him, but those other, those other uh, uh, issues are going to be a factor. But there's no doubt that when uh, uh, Presley Harvin thumps that football, boom, it hangs and it goes. Yeah, and I, I think that the Steelers are interested um, in a punter who's a little bit more consistent right. with um, you know, getting them out of some tough situations, some tough uh, field positions, situations. And, you know, Jordan Berry over the course of his career has shown himself to be, you know, um, somewhat erratic in that area. No so that's why I think they spent the – uh, Seventh-round pick on Presley Harvin, um, but he needs to be able to hold for, for Chris Boswell. Uh, that that has to happen. Well, the coaches and the fans and us are going to get a look at all this beginning Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Don't forget, you can hear Bob Labriola, myself, and Mike Prasuda on the Steeler Radio Network beginning at 6 o'clock with the pregame show. So you want to tune in. Uh, on Thursday night. Um, that's going to do it from uh, the Bingham Tavern. Uh, our thanks to uh, Jacob here uh, on site, to Brian in the studio. 
Bob Labriola, you're uh, when you when are you back uh, for next week on a pregame on a uh, training camp show? Oh uh, yeah, next TV. Monday. Yeah, in my pursuit on TV. And I won't be back for a couple weeks until I team up with the coach Tom Bradley. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening to two hours of Good Steeler talk in our Bud Light training camp show. For Bob Labriola, I'm Jerry Dulac. You're listening to ESPN Pittsburgh. Good night, everyone. As the region's largest locally owned accounting and consulting firm, Schneider Downs uses big thinking with a personal focus to solve the challenges of all types, expected and unexpected. Learn how they can make your company better by visiting SchneiderDowns.com. <laughs> Wolf here.